Welcome to High on Heart, the podcast. I am your host, Jessie Mae Wolf, and I look forward to serving up your weekly dose of heart rise. Very excited to be welcoming our guest for today. We have Radha Agrawal, who is such a force indeed, a powerful, heartful leader, a rebel heart, a beautiful disruptor in all the best ways. I am so excited to be welcoming her to High on Heart. Just a little bit about Radha for those of you who don't know, because she is indeed a community force. And I'm super excited about her new book, Belong, which she just put out and you must get a copy of. She's the co-founder, CEO, and Chief Community Architect at Daybreaker, which if you guys don't already know about, you must check out the early morning dance and wellness movement that currently holds events in 25 cities and more than a dozen college campuses around the world and has a community of almost half a million people. She is a successful entrepreneur, co-founder of Thinks Live It Up, which we're going to talk about. I'm excited about that too. Author, speaker, DJ, inventor, investor, and was named one of eight women who will change the world by MTV. Yeah, yeah, mama. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Radha is also the recipient of, tri- of the Tribeca Disruptive Innovation Award and has spoken about the social entrepreneurship and community building to audiences around the world. Radha, it is such a pleasure to welcome you on to High on Heart. I am so grateful and excited to have you here, Mama. You are a force. Thank you, Jesse. It's so great to, to be here. It's so good to uh, see you. I know. It's really, it's such a beautiful treat. And I just love connecting with other powerful forces on the planet. This is why we do it. This is what it's about. And I'm so excited about your book, Belong. So I kind of oh, want to yeah. start there. I know. Okay, so how's it been? How, I know you're touring with it. How has that yep. experience been? So I'm in the first two weeks of the tour, and it's absolutely been deeply eye-opening. You know, it's amazing how the through line across every city I'm going to is just that. So my book is called Belong, and, and it's, it sort of answers the question. The tagline is, um, is find your people, create community, and live a more connected life. And it answers the question, sort of, how the heck do I find my people, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're really confused today as to how to find, you know, find our friends and create community. And as I've been going on this tour and, and sitting in bookstores and meeting attendees and community members in each of these cities, it's, been, it's become apparent. I, I go around the room every time, whether it's 60 people. I, I ask everybody, like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And every single person is missing community. They feel out of belonging. And, you know, churches are no longer sort of as relevant as they used to be. There's so many, there's like no real container for community centers either. They're typically kind of not always um, inspiring to be in community, most community centers. So it's just, it's just how do we actually recreate community in these cities? And, mm-hmm. um, and, and people are very confused. And so I wrote this book to answer that question, to give people sort of a very simple guide, tools, tips, tricks for how to find your dream community that gives you wings to really help you fly. Because so often we find ourselves in these uninspiring communities. I certainly did. I found myself in these uninspiring communities with friends who talked poorly about one another you know, behind each other's backs all throughout my 20s. Um, I found myself hanging out in places and spaces that didn't align with my values and my interests. And I really wanted to give people very specific kind of guidelines and a tool book for their whole lives across every inflection point when because you know, we go through seven to ten moments in lives, maybe even more when we're starting all over again with friend group, friend friendships. Mm-hmm. And so 
mm. giving people a really tangible, very not theoretical, but very tangible way to go and do that was why I wrote the book. Oh, which is why I love this so much. And it's such a beautiful reflection too of the experience of Daybreaker. And I sort of, for new people who are new to you, new to Daybreaker, new to Belong, I really, I mean, the spirit of belonging will come through in everything you share. And thank you for that. That was just beautiful. And I, it's such an important conversation to be having right now because we're so plugged in yet we're so disconnected. And I mean, you know, I mean, we met and it was just this, it was so beautiful because you were one of the first people in your crew that I saw when we were up at Wisdom 2.0 last year. And it was just like, oh, like this belong, like this open, connected, like frequency of like, wow, like heart vibes. And, like, and it was so electric. And, you know, and I want to just speak to that, that, you know, that heart power, I speak of it as, you know, connection and heart power and presence, but just the spirit of belonging and how important it is and how disconnected we are. And I love that you speak about the practical use of your book, because so often we can theorize, and I talk a lot about this too, how, you know, we can love the idea of the heart or the idea of connection and even things like follow and likes and all that is all symptomatic of that, but yet we're lacking what it really looks like in our here and now. So can you speak a little bit to that? And yeah. And how you got into this all together. Cause I love even the history of your family and like, there's so much, we're going to have you on again, but just a little bit of a through, a through line. Just to share about what Daybreaker is, you know, Daybreaker started, you know, when I was 35 years old and I was a single woman living in New York and I was just was like, where can I go to let my hair down? I was in like the entrepreneurial hamster wheel, kind of going to work every day, building my businesses, like, you know, really excited and proud of what I was doing but really not finding an outlet to let my hair down and dance and let go. Mm -hmm. And you know, what you, what you're met with at nightclubs are mean bouncers, you know, who mm -hmm. I, which I find to be hilarious. Like who's, why would you be mean letting someone into your establishment? But anyways, um, <laughs> bouncers, you know, everyone on their cell phones, people drinking, wasted spilt drinks all over me and some guy on, on, on in a DJ booth pushing buttons. And I just was like, but the beauty of nightlife was that you get to dance and hang out with your friends and all sort of stuff, but it was becoming less and less fun. So the experiment and all these, everything I do in life is always an experiment. You know, I never call it a, like a, this is a thing, but it's, it's an experiment. And the experiment was like, what if we, you know, took away all of the vices of nightlife and just kept the good stuff and then kind of reimagined it. So what if we replaced the mean bouncer with a hugging committee? <laughs> Whoa, yeah. what would happen? What if we, what if we replaced the alcohol with green juice, coffee, and tea? Like, what if we added performative elements, you know, to the to the dance floor, like um, aerialists and fire spinners and break dancers and dueling sax players and just like all kinds of fun performative elements to the thing? And um, and and what if we did in the morning? Like, the big experiment was like, what if we did at six a.m. before people went to work? You know, uh -huh. and that was. That was such a wild idea of because, you know, the morning is when you typically hit snooze and roll over or you're in a yoga class by yourself alone together, right? You're like alone on your yoga mat or with your earbuds in your ear at the gym and you're around people, but really alone. And so the idea was like, what if we created a social experience, social space, social experiment to see if people gathered in the morning would want to hang out, connect and Turns out they did. So our, you know, we launched first event 2013. You know, 200 friends showed up, which is such a testament to those friends um, who came and said yes and bought tickets and and didn't hit snooze and, and showed up for me. I really owe this whole movement to these friends who came to the very first one. But it it really um, took off overnight and and 
now you know and it turns out that people really are missing that level because they really want that connection best friends were made at daybreaker people came out to their families because of daybreaker people were walk off the ledge of suicide because of daybreaker people found their dance body dancer self at daybreaker mm-hmm. um and i found myself at daybreaker too like i i really did i i was so shrouded in self-judgment for so long um, and Daybreaker really brought out in me this sort of um, version of myself that I've never felt, where I felt never felt more authentic. Um, and so now the goal, now we're in 25 cities around the world. We grew it organically over the last five years. Uh, we're 23 cities, about to hit two more, uh, San Diego and, and Sydney, Australia, um, wow. in the next month. And, um, and we're not stopping at Kempton. Our goal is to cover the whole world with sober dance parties, remove alcohol. So, you know, really focusing on on clean connections mm. um, in the morning when our energy is the most full um when we're not coming to nightlife with multiple energy levels i was yelled at by my boss i'm tired i'm stressed and all different things in the morning we're so level set together so the electricity in the room is just magnetic mm-hmm. so pure um so yeah I so that was a breaker but from there you know i i start my phones are ringing off the hook and and community members would call me constantly asking How'd you do this? How'd you build Daybreaker? I want to do the same thing. So I'd meet them for coffee, but an hour long coffee was just never enough time. And, and then I would start getting invited to speak on stages by businesses and organizations. Hey, come and share your story. How did you build Daybreaker? How did you build community? We want to move away from marketing and more towards community building. How can we do this? And so I started going and speaking on stages, but again, no one hour talk or even 90 minute workshop was ever really enough to share all of our trade secrets, what we learned, all the goodies that we, mm-hmm. you know, kind of accumulated over the last many years of doing this across the world. So I spent the last two years of writing this book that really open sources everything I've ever done in my own personal life to find the friends um, that made me feel a sense of belonging personally. And then what we did at Daybreaker to grow from zero to half a million people without any marketing or advertising dollars spent. Uh-huh. Just I love that so much. And I'm just like sitting here smiling, drinking it all in. But you know what I love so much, and you made such an important distinction, so much of what you said resonates, but the shift from more of a marketing to a community base, because in essence, you know, I think that's such an important distinction. And I know because we bring HeartRise into companies and I'm working a lot with teams. And so often, you know, it's this presented sense of self from a company level and an individual level. And I think it's such an important link back to the belonging because I think we're so caught up in this masquerade of presenting ourselves as as individuals and as companies or as entities as brands as something that we're not and I think that's where the disconnect and the lack of belonging comes from so maybe just jam a little on that and then maybe even just a few things that you share specifically like some practical pieces that you could identify as like helpful tools for people listening Sure. So, I mean, the first thing is, you know, so many events that I see brands throw, for example, are feel very transactional in nature. You walk into a space and it's like logos everywhere. Even if there's no logos, there isn't sort of that spirit of how can I create a space where people experience a sense of belonging? And that's really the big distinction I want companies and brands, organizations and humans to have in general, which is that community, the word community is, is in many ways being bastardized. It's like organic, right? Like, you know, the word organic, you have to really know the farmer today to know what that means. Like community now is, is another buzzword for users. How many community members, how many users can I have? So for me, the actual, the litmus test, the, the, the kind of the, the true marking of community 
is actually in the in the in the feeling of belonging. So mm -hmm. so belonging is the feeling, mm -hmm. right? Where community is the space in which you experience belonging. Ooh. Right? That's the big distinction that we need to make. Mm -hmm. Right? Ah, so, yeah. so so how can we actually create a community, an environment, a space where every single person walking into the space mm -hmm. feels a sense of belonging and that we're not just a number walking through the door where the event producer gets to say at the end of the day, hey, brand X, I got 500 people through the door with a reach of 20 million. Like mm -hmm. that, that's not important. If the 500 people walking through the doors don't feel a sense of, oh, they just came in, they took their selfie and left, you know? Right. So I think that's really the big distinction that I feel like brands, organizations, you know, kind of events need to create. And what I call that in my book and what I call it what we've developed at Daybreaker is like I call it the dose of Daybreaker. It's you, you get to release your dose and dose stands for, which I, I couldn't believe I discovered that no one had put this together. It was dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Ooh. Your four happy brain chemicals. So yes. if you can actually design, if everyone listening right now can design community experiences, big branded events, office events, home parties, whatever it is that you're throwing, with that in mind, how can I inspire every single person coming to the door to release their dose, oh. to feel a sense of, wow, like the dopamine rush of, I got something done, I feel like I, got, I accomplished something by being here, I listen to music, you get dopamine rush from listening to music, the oxytocin of being touched, connected with, someone's hugging you, holding you, you know, the oxytocin you get from physical connection, the serotonin you get from feeling a sense of worth, and it's bigger than me, the feeling of gratitude. So having a facilitator who really gets you to go there and the endorphins of working out, moving your body, not just sitting static in a chair or mingling with a cocktail in your hand, but really inspiring everybody there to move your body. And if you can do all four in one event, you've got them for life. Woo! Mama, I love that. That feels so good. I mean, just listening to it, I'm sure everybody drinking it in is like that just because we can relate. And, you know, and I think that's something that's so important. And I love how you articulated that sense of belonging because it's more of an energetic frequency. I speak a lot about it as like the heart energy or the heart power, but just maybe speak a little bit to that sensation. And I love that you've broken it down in those four specific parts, which is so powerful. But, you know, what the experience is, and, and even for, for one who might be interested in starting to, or who's working on building a community and, or being a part of. So what does that look like? I mean, I know you spoke to the four parts, but a little bit more if you could elaborate on that. Um, and just even someone like, yeah, where do you get started? Or somebody listening who's like, I want some of that, you know? Right. Yeah. So, so the first thing before you even go out and start a community, you have to, the first half of my book is actually this wonderful journey of what I call gentle self-exploration, mm. right? So, so being gently sort mm. of aware of how you're showing up, mm. right? Gentle self-awareness. And mm. like awareness is quite harsh. Yeah. So step, before you even start your community, get gently self-aware of who you are, how you're showing up, what do you value, what kind of community you want to start in the first place. Are you starting this community because you want to, because it's being asked of you because you feel passionate about it because it's what society tells you you should be creating. There's so, there's so much sort of um, pressure around building community or creating anything today that step one is getting clear about who you are first. So the first half of the book is like 10 exercises where you're, you know, I want you to get dirty with my book. You're actually, I want you to write in my book. There's all these wonderful exercises in there that I've developed specifically for people who want to create community. Um, and, 
forget that actually the most important step is going in. Mm-hmm. You have to go in to go out is my community building mantra, mm-hmm. right? You have to go in to get to know, are you the right community leader as well? Maybe you're not the right community. Maybe you're the better number two. Like one of my smartest leadership friends said to me, I learned a long time ago that I'm better as a number two, not the visionary, but someone who can support the visionary. And that type of maturity and lack of ego is what's gotten him as far as he, he is today. Mm-hmm. And, and so many listeners, you know, out there, may think no it's my thing it's me 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 but maybe you're not always the sort of the follow the leader type that you're probably better at organizing people around you and so you know it's it's really about us figuring out first where we fit in the community building ecosystem before we go out to build a community in the first place because you can have a you can fail right from the very beginning if, if you're not, if you haven't done that work to go in and know if you're the right person. And I want to just add one thing, cause I love what you're saying. And I think it's such an important key piece to, to define. And, and I think it comes back to, to that sort of honesty that we're speaking of in that whole, like the belonging, right? It's like, you have to start by just kind of getting a bit naked, getting a bit real with yourself so that we can get real with others, right? And I, there's so much in, you know, embedded fear in our society around that piece. I just think it's an important piece because I think so much of the aloneness happens because we're afraid to own our truth. So maybe just a brief little, I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but it's an well, important- Let me talk about fear for a second. Yeah, so, okay. so one of the reasons we're afraid is because we, our hearts are so big, actually. Yeah. So, yes. Like, right, so like, instead of thinking of fear in a way that, you know, oh, we're scared, you know, whatever. I think of, fear, so I talk about this in my book as well, how fear and empathy are BFFs. And yeah. I don't think anyone put that together too, is how are fear and empathy connected? Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, the bigger your heart, the more you care, the more you, you support your fellow man, the more you don't want to step on their toes, the more you don't want to, you know, like, I don't, I don't ruffle any feathers. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to reach out because in case like you're busy, you know, the more we actually care, the more fear holds us back. And so just recognizing that just because we have a big and beautiful, giving, loving, gooey heart doesn't mean that we should let that stop us and, and let us let that stop us from ruffling some feathers every once in a while or stepping on some toes every other time if it means you're really going to be supporting society you know at large and so i've actually sort of um really learned in my entrepreneurial endeavors and i think when i'm so successful at what i do is that i've learned to compartmentalize empathy my love in my heart and fear right where where, where just because i love somebody or something or some experience doesn't mean that I'm going to be embarrassed to reach out three, four times. Right. You know, if, if like they don't write me back, you know, right. like if, right. if like some CEO of some co- someone I'm going to meet isn't writing me back, I'm not taking that as like a fearful rejection. I'm just right. being like, okay, well, they probably were busy that day. Let me just try again. Right. Because you know, my, my heart is real. Right. So I just think so often fear holds us back because we try once and we give up. Like here's a wild stat for you. 90% of first time entrepreneurs fail yeah right 90% of retail, but 90% of second time entrepreneurs succeed uh, but only 10% of the first timers try again 
I love that's such a powerful piece for everyone to listen to because it's so true and and it's the fear in essence that you spoke to so beautifully that holds us back and it's I love how you articulated that because it's often a sign or a cue that there's more to learn to lean in and as you spoke about awareness before too it's like gentle right so yeah. not to just let fear fully shut us down or harden our hearts but to lean in and see that there might be more to right. learn from that, and I love that. So I, we, we jumped a little around, and you were going to continue because I wanted to hear the steps you were sort of describing, so I, I kind of was all inspired and jumped in there. So, so I mean, in terms of, like, you know, how to start, where to start building your community. Yeah, so, like, yeah. for somebody who's listening that's interested or either to participate in or just to get really honest, because I think what blocks so many, my experience has been with ours, is that belonging piece is so lacking because we're afraid to be who we are and to be a part of. So it's like whether it's somebody who either wants to connect with the community and sort of do the work internally to attract it or somebody who's even wanting to, you, you know, you spoke to that first part being you have to do the work first. And I think it's such an important message for anybody wanting to build community or even just to be a part of. And then the second piece being how to then either go, go out. Right. Yeah. So the mechanics, I mean, then it becomes a lot more sort of strategic and, and there's kind of, you know, th there are methods that I've developed around right. it all in, in great right. detail. Yeah. Um, but we'll touch on it. You know, there's, there's, in some ways, there's like two parts to, there's like the kind of the, I have a section called the community building event starter kit. So it's like, if you're just kind of a light touch person and you're like, where do I start? Like, what do I do? How do I do this thing? And maybe you don't want to necessarily start like a big giant half million person organization just yet, but you just want to like figure out how to get people together. Like, what do I do to like be a good host? I have a couple of pages in my book that really just kind of illustrate, okay, step one is, you know, give your event a name. So the heart rise brunch, you know, or whatever, right? Like, and, and then give, give it a name. Cause like people like, like attaching to names, like they want to yeah. come to, like, you know, yeah. club yeah. events Thanks. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so give it a name. Then second thing is, um, is well, and then, and, and then like put together like a list of people that you think would be interested in this type of topic or then send emails out to people being like, Hey, I'm doing this thing called heart rise. I'm doing this brunch, you know, that I'm hosting and, you can decide how much money you want to spend personally. Like, you know, like I'd say like spend 50 bucks, you know, and then invite everyone to bring something too. But it's like spend a few, few dollars, you know, like kind of inspiring the community to start in the first place. Um, and then commit to a cadence. Let's say you want to commit to a monthly event, you know, like do a monthly heart rise brunch party, you know, and then, and then so like, so there's, so there's like, that's a very sort of very simplistic right. idea, right? right. It's like, helpful. There's steps though. Yeah. Right. It's like, here's, here's a six steps. It's like six specific steps. Like give you, right. you know, a bunch of things. But, but then once you kind of graduate from that, you're like, all right, cool. Like this stuff is pretty, you know, like come up with like three questions at your event to, to, to ask the community at large, you right. know, when, like in, before the food is served, like, you know, do a, do, you know, I do a compliment off at all of my dinner parties. So everyone has to, kind of pair off in twos and compliment each other for a minute. Love um, that. That's <laughs> a really wonderful way for everyone to feel good. Uh. good. Um, and then on the other side of it, with Daybreaker, you know, how I grew that, it's a lot more tactical. There's a lot more sort of um, intention and thought that, that goes into building a large scale community in multiple right. cities with multiple sort of remote teams. And you know, there's a lot that goes into that, but um, you okay, know, well, and there's the a method, lot. 
Yeah. The, well, the method that I developed for that, that's very simple. It's called the crawl method. And that is all you need to know to build any community. And the crawl method is all organized and outlined in the book, but crawl stands for defining your constraints, core values and core community, defining your rituals, defining your aesthetics, defining your why and defining your language. And if you can define all of these things, then you've got a community for life. You know? Oh, I know. And I heard you once share about crawl and I was like, boom, shakalak. I'm so glad you just shared that again because it's so powerful. And again, and you know, yeah, there's a lot more I mean like, a lot more in depth in the book and it's so juicy. Now I wanna dive in and there's so much more I want to say about that, but I wanna look at now I think this bridge into online I think is so important. And we were starting to talk a little bit about it and I was like, let's wait and save it for the show because it's oh, yeah. juicy and I and I it'll be an opportunity for you to share a bit about Live It Up too, because one of the things I see and so many people, and I'm sure many listening are also, you know, bridging or working on how to bridge, but the building community offline with online and what that looks like. So experiences that we have and how do we then create that same sense of belonging and connection online and what that looks like. Because there's a lot of confusion around it. So many people want that, but are still struggling with how to do that. Right. I mean... So first of all, you can never have the same level of belonging online. Yeah. As you are. <laughs> True. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, but I think where online is interesting and great is that it allows for communication lines to stay open in between offline gatherings. And like, that's really the power of social media and online networks. It's just that we've gotten caught in these slot machines in our pockets. Like that's really what, what phones are. They're slot machines in our pockets mm -hmm. that are constantly dinging and, and, and making us all addicts. Like we're all addicts yeah. um, to our phones. So, you know, I think social media, if like right now, social media is a four-year-old kid who's driving a Ferrari, right? right? Like we've given the key to a four-year-old kid yeah. without teaching them how to drive and driving a Ferrari, yeah. right? So, so right now we just, everyone has a Ferrari in their pocket and no one knows how to drive it, right? right? So, so, so the problem with social media right now is that we don't have any understanding of, of the mechanics around it. So we, so we abuse the shit out of it, right? So, so the, the key that has changed my life around social media is creating very specific guardrails in my life around ha not having Facebook, the app on my phone, for example. Mm -hmm. I don't have it on my phone. I only look at Facebook occasionally online now. Right. You know, not like being very careful about not having my phone on. It's on airplane mode at my house because I'm with the baby, unless like I want to make specific phone calls out. You know, I, I'm very careful about having my phone on airplane mode for all meals. You know, I've turned off all notifications on my phones. So I can be fully present. So mm -hmm. I've, I've really, you know, it's like, it's like social media is like riding a bicycle. You know, you yeah. have to, you have to just learn how to and, and learn how it's, it's, it's like, put, it's like working out. Like you have to, it's like, you have to put, learn to put, put on, you have to put, the step one is putting your shoes on and, and going to the gym. Right. Oh, and, and social media, it's like, it's reflecting your exercise this muscle of just like, okay, I need to have the willpower to turn my notifications off, to turn all of it. So once you do that, then social media becomes a very powerful tool for connection. Because mm -hmm. then you can use it in all the right ways. Right mm -hmm. now it's being used in 
all the wrong way, propping up your ego to deal with your loneliness. It's, it's your crutch. It's your right. easy way out when you're uncomfortable. It's your pacifier. It's your digital pacifier, right? right. So, so the key to, to, to making social media work for you is by first getting control of it first, first getting control of it. Oh, I love that. And creating those healthy boundaries with it. I think those are really good suggestions for anyone listening because people often don't know how and like what's the, you know, the, the gray area is much too vast. So I think those suggestions of even just airplane mode and, you know, and just once. Yeah. So then once yeah. you've actually then learned how to yeah. manage it. it Right. Now it becomes really interesting. Now you can say, okay, so interesting. I do an event once a month with Daybreaker. In between Daybreaker, I'm going to talk to my community on Instagram, you know, I'm in our Facebook groups, and I'm going to share some really kind of, you know, aligned insights, um, aligned content that could hopefully benefit their lives. So it's like, um, so, so it's a way for a community to stay in touch online but it's it's not unless you're sort of in the middle of nowhere where you have no access to a single human being mm -hmm. there's no reason to just live or just want to live in the online world and i think vr and the gamer world is so dangerous we have these stadiums filled with kids watching these individual gamers in the middle on these consoles and just watching them play video games it's scary yeah it's incredibly scary so uh, <laughs> Well, I don't think, I, I mean, in my book, I talk a lot about this, but social media is a means to an end. You yeah. know, social media is the Uber app yeah. that helps you get a car in right. the real world, Right. you know? Yes. So it, if you don't think of it that way, then you're in trouble. Yeah. And I think what you, you know, I think to having established those communities or building those connections offline first, because I also see a lot of the danger happens in people either wanting to connect or you know, seeing, I've seen this often too, where people have a certain relationship with people online or they feel really comfortable online and then you take them offline and they're in front of somebody that they're quote unquote Facebooking with all the time and they're not oh. safe in their presence. So I think too, part of that and what I'm hearing you say also is just how important that sort of physical, like the real experience of one and building that community and then kind of building it online. Because I see oftentimes it goes the other way around and I think there's a real danger in the sort of the integrity of the belonging that gets lost in that. On both sides, right? Mm -hmm. like on the, yeah. For example, like I see these YouTube stars all the time right. who, are, who are, have millions and millions of followers mm -hmm. and then they go off into the real world and they don't know. Right. And the audience member expects them to be a certain way and they expect... Yeah. And so the, the YouTube star ends up being more isolated and more right. alone and yeah. their room, prisoners of their homes yeah. because, because, because they don't want to give off a different perspective, mm -hmm. sort of a different lens like of who mm -hmm. they really are in the real world. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a very dangerous game to be playing. Mm -hmm. So, okay, to drill it down, because there's so much that I want to, you know, there's so much more to extrapolate, but, like, there's so many powerful themes that you shared, and I think for anyone listening, because I do sort of want to, like, weave it together, and I think that, you know, the spirit of belonging is such a powerful one, and you express it so beautifully, and you have so many resources for everyone. Um, we will touch briefly, if you can mention, live it up just to tease it out, and then we'll come back to what I was going to say about sort of bringing it all home. But just share what live it up is, because I'm excited about it. Yeah, so... One of the things I realized when doing Daybreaker is that we do these events once a month, right? And across the world. But in between the month, there's 29 days left before the next Daybreaker event. And 
well, how can we serve our community just as meaningfully in those 29 days? So then I got to thinking, okay, well, what are the things that I would want to learn? And, and, then, and, then I, I, and then I got curious as to what it is that the community wanted to learn. So then I pulled 8,000 of our community members and asked them what they're struggling with. Like, what are they struggling with? You know, and the, just the paragraph-long answers that I received was just incredible from every you know, walk of life across the country. And I distilled down... Um, sort of 12 topics that most people struggle with. So everything from time management, financial abundance, love, sex, and relationships, how to make friends and build community, how to unlock your entrepreneurial mindset, um, self-love, mindfulness, like how to actually learn how to meditate, right? Like all these things, like even adulting 101 was one of them. Like how do I, <laughs> I, love like, how do I take care of my parents? Like, how do I take wine scenes off my shirt? You know, like all these things that we don't learn in school. And so then I spent the last 12 months really thinking about um, and, 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 and doing a big audit of where are people learning and where are people um, not learning, but how are people connecting and communicating with one another? Um, and also what's going on with online courses? Like what's the plan? Like what's, what's, you know, what kind of completion rates are we looking at here? Turns out online courses have only three to 5% completion rates on their online courses. And there's no real incentive other than the heart of the CEOs and the leadership to want people to finish the courses because they just, they have investors, they have future responsibility, they just need more money, more, more people coming in the platforms. So they focus on top of the funnel acquisition, customer acquisition, without really caring about who really finishes the course. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really care about finishing the course. Right. <laughs> I really want want to move to finish the course and learn the wisdom mm-hmm. of all the incredible teachers. Mm-hmm. And so I audited the communication landscape and realized, wow, there's the main place people are, are talking and, and communicating on is, is on, is on, um, is on text message. There's 90% open rates that happen on text message. So then we started building out the sort of whole program, software program and back end program that text message could talk to an online platform where every morning you get a text message from a queue. So now, so now this is what's called Live It Up. And what it is, it's every single morning when you wake up, you get a text message from one of our Live It Up guides. So John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, is one of our guides teaching you how to unlock your entrepreneurial mindset. I'm teaching you, how, of course, how to build community and make your community tribe, you know, your find your dream tribe. Dr. Mark Hyman, like an 11-time New York Times bestselling author who wrote the book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? And is the number one functional medicine doctor, teaches about nutrition essentials. You know, we have David Bach, um, who is like, what, he's written nine New York Times bestselling author, books on um, how to finish, how to finish rich, right? how to, mm-hmm. uh, how, smart, how smart people finish rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and he teaches about financial abundance. So we have, you know, we've really identified some of the best guides and every morning for 21 days, you'll be receiving beautiful um, text message, text messages from each of these guides. So, so like John Mackey will be in your inbox for 21 days, the time it takes to develop a habit. And in those 21 days, um, you'll be watching three to five minute videos with John sharing about how he built Whole Foods how he unlocked his fear to, to, to unlock an entrepreneurial mindset, mm-hmm. how, you know, there's all the ways in which he broke uh, Whole Foods. And it's mm-hmm. just such wise words. And the mm-hmm. cool thing is, you know, the world, like even Africa, the number one way that people communicate is on cell phones. So now we can do one for one model. So people in Africa can have access uh, to the wisdom of some of the most unbelievable Fortune 500 CEOs in the world for a fraction, for 
for basically no cost, you know, uh, low, low to no cost. It's $180 for the entire year, the cost of a cup of coffee per week. To have so brilliant. I'm excited. Is that, so it's up now or it's up soon? Um, it launches in November okay. um, after 18 months of, of working okay. on it. So I am so excited and live it up. You go to, to goliveitup.com. Okay. Um, you can sign up. To check and it out. You get to have your team at work too. It's really fun to do it as an office. Okay. Um, as an office colleague sort of thing. I love to do. that. Oh, juicy. And again, back to the title, so powerful, live it up, beautiful. Rada, it has been such an absolute pleasure. There's so much more I really could ask and learn and share, but I just feel like you've already gifted us with so much. You're such a bright light. I just adore you. You you instill and inspire the spirit of belonging in all those you reach and touch, and it's been such an absolute pleasure. Uh, I truly adore you. Um, last, last you. words, yeah, to anyone listening or anything else, just as a last sort of like, guiding piece around anyone who's craving that spirit of belonging and, and just feeling touched by your words. Oh my, well, you, so last words would yeah. be, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's about courage, you know, finding your friends and creating community takes courage. And mm -hmm. um, that's it. It's, it's, it's a courage to get out of your comfort zone, a courage to keep reaching out the second, third, fourth time. It's the courage to start something in general, just start something. Mm -hmm. I started a WhatsApp group for my baby. I'm not, you know, I'm six and a half months pregnant right here. Uh. And, and I didn't know what I was doing with babies. And so I just started a WhatsApp group and invited 20 women on it. And now it's the most thriving WhatsApp that I have that's given me life. I learned so much about my emotional well-being, about how to deal with, you know, my, when my partner doesn't understand me in these moments. It's just like, it's given me absolute life. And had I not, and all the girls on it thanked me and said, I want to start this, but I just didn't because I was too scared or I just didn't have the time or there's just always time and then don't be scared. <laughs> it's just oh, have the courage. courage. I love yeah, that. The, courage. That's the willingness. And, and if you want to follow me, I'm at love.rada on Instagram. I'm always on DM answering questions on sort of different um, community building needs. So. Oh, Rada. Thank you so much, love. That was so beautiful. Seriously, such a pleasure. And you're really, you're a gift to everyone that gets to know you and all the communities you serve. I love you so much, Mama. Thank you so much for joining us this week for this edition of High on Heart. I am Jessie Mae Wolf. If you enjoyed the show, please pass it along, share it with someone you love, and come find us online at heartrisemovement.com on all the social networks, and we look forward to connecting with you in all the ways we do. Your radiance is contagious.